He goes on to say, verse 10, we put on the new man which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Where there is neither Jew, a Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian or Scythian, bond nor three, but Christ is all and in all. True conversion, true life in God means that Christ becomes everything. Denominationalism ceases when we belong to him. Anyone who has really had an encounter with God has ceased to belong to an earthly kingdom. He belongs to a heavenly one. He ceases to participate on things on the earth and he sets all his affections on things above. He realizes that the kingdom is not of this world. There's a lot of talk about kingdom principles. But the truth is, there's only one king and one kingdom. Jesus is the king. And we're told we're not to set our affections on things on the earth. We're to be very careful that we don't set our affections on a church, on a doctrine, on a denomination, on a man on prophets, apostles, pastors. We don't set our affections there. Our affections have got to be above. Our affections are going to be set on Christ and on Him alone. We're to love Him. And all our life and all that we are and all that we have must be set on Him and on Him alone. There is no substitute. And there's no way any man or woman can live unless everything is set on Christ. Everything. There's nothing down here that's of any value. Now until you come to the place that you realize that Jesus Christ must be all in all. Neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor circumcision uncircumcision, barbarian, barbarian, none. And Paul was going through, and I suppose if I were to substitute for modern day, there's no Methodist, there's no Baptist, no Pentecostal, no any denomination, free church, no free evangelical, nothing. The test of everything is whether a person has Christ. If he lives in Christ and his life is hid with Christ in God, he's my brother. If he lives by that rule and that rule alone, he's my brother. And if he lives by another rule, then he's living in a carnal way outside of Christ. 
Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, he said, one of you saying, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Cephas. He said, you're carnal. Names don't matter. What matters to me is whether a person knows Jesus Christ. What I listen for. And the only thing I really listen for is people that talk about how they love him. How they know him. And I always wait to hear them tell me of when Jesus came. When he came to them and when he came to the church and how he came. And I listen for the sign that is always there because when someone has a love relationship with the Lord there's something about their speech that's different. You know as soon as you begin to hear them speak from the heart that there's something different. They know him. And the others, they know doctrine, they know ideas, they know church government, they know all sorts of things, but the one thing they leave out is him. Because they just don't know him. They know a lot about him, they'll talk about him, but they'll never really speak the words of life. For they're unfamiliar with it. And Paul was writing, he was saying to the Colossian church, he's saying, don't you know Christ is all in all? The whole sum of Christianity is summed up in one word, Christ. That's it. The whole of our life must be summed up in one word. Our purpose for living, our whole determination of life is summed up in one, Jesus Christ. To glorify him, to love him, to adore him, to magnify him. That's why we're alive. And that's what makes a Christian so different from anyone else. A true Christian is a Christ man. A man who's been godded with God, as the Quakers would say. A man who's got to know God and been united with his spirit and united with him. And everything everything is Jesus now I said this weekend I wanted to talk very much about Christ and the centrality of Christ the truth is that everything we do and everything we are must point people to him not to us not to a form of doctrine not to a, an experience. Not to a certain form of life. We just need to bring people to him. He sorts them out. He deals with them. He heals them. He does all the wonderful works in their lives. He perfects them. He changes them. In fact, Christ is all in all. And our whole purpose is just to magnify him. An apostle, if there are such things in this land, I mean real ones, not the people who call themselves apostles and are not, that you read about in Revelation, but the true apostles of God, if there are any, I haven't met them, but there might be. 
those apostles will be people who never ever draw men to bow to them. They point the way to the only one any man or woman should ever bow to. Jesus Christ. We submit ourselves to him. The King of kings. The Lord of lords. We magnify him. The true apostle will be like Paul and say, For me to live is Christ. To die is gain. I live nevertheless, not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Paul was a man who didn't get in the way. He got out of the way and he said, Oh, it's the life of Christ. He pointed men and women always to Jesus. The true prophet will speak only words that will magnify the Christ of God. For the Holy Spirit is sent and he testifies of Jesus Christ. He doesn't testify of church government. He doesn't testify of how to run things. He came to lift him up and exalt him. And every true prophet of God will be pointing people and saying there's only one hope, there's only one way, there's only one life, there's only one source of life, there's only one deliverer, there's only one healer, there's only one who can help you, there's one and one alone. It's nothing that you can do. You can't help yourself, you can't determine yourself, you can't repent yourself, you can't deliver yourself, you can't set your will yourself. It's all in Him. And you've got to meet Him. And when you've met Him, why? You have everything. You are complete in Him. And all that completion and all that we need is in Jesus. And all the church is to do is to make a gateway or a window in the heavens that men and women might come and see that it's the Christ of God they need and Him alone. There is no other help. Thank God there isn't. I need the Creator. I need the One who birthed everything. I need Him. He's got to bring in a new creation in my life. He's got to recreate me and only he can. He is the only creator. The devil subverts, the devil twists, the devil distorts and there is none that can create save him. There is only one who can create. His name is Jesus. He's a wonderful saviour, a wonderful Lord. Man, you know, can take things material, he can find things in nature, and he can change their form, but he can't create anything. Creation's beyond him. He can put all sorts of chemicals together, and he can put all sorts of things together, but he can't create life. Life is a gift of God. Man's tried it. They've tried genetic engineering. All they've done is they've taken things that God's put in nature and they've genetically engineered things but they haven't created anything. They've messed about with the chemistry of things but they can't create. There's only one creator and there's only one person who can deal with your life. 
You find psychiatrists, those ignorant men, you know, that walk around and think that they can sort out other people's minds. Most of them are half mad themselves, so they go into it. And there they are, and they can sit down, and they can discuss things, and they can get people to face up to a problem, but they can't create anything right. In the end, the only thing they can teach people to do is how to live with your problem. But when Jesus comes, he teaches you how to live without it. He takes it away. And then he says, I'll give you life. There are doctors, all they can do is alleviate problems. They don't know how to cure them. They can't stop a problem. They can give you medication to calm a problem. They can give you medication to stop the effects of it chemically. But in the end, they can do nothing. But when Dr. Jesus comes, it's all different. He does the work. He recreates. And what I need in my life is the creator. What I don't need in my life is man. And when a pastor, or when an apostle, or when a prophet comes along, he can do nothing. But when Jesus comes, he can do everything. And that's the difference. I want, want to know that there are people who see that their only hope is him. And if he doesn't meet their need, there's one thing for sure. They're going to keep their need. I know that there's no way other than him. And what the church needs today is to open a door and let him in. What the church of God in this nation needs is a vision of where the true source of all life is. It's in Him. He's all in all. And if only they would realize. God spoke to me this afternoon. It was a strange thing He said to me. The Lord spoke to me and asked me a question. And here's a question for you. Why was it that John on the Isle of Patmos had to write to the churches and tell them what God was saying to them? Why was it that the pastors and the prophets and the men who were in the churches were so without God and without contact with the living God that he needed to go to someone who was on the Isle of Patmos and tell him what was going on and say right to the messenger of the church here right to the messenger there and he says you know Jesus is standing outside the door knocking if any man will open do you know why I'll tell you why because they had substituted the ministry of man for the ministry of God they had substituted man's ministry for God. And that's what's happened today, up and down the land. They put man in the place of God. Instead of man coming and saying, look, what you need, you need the Savior. He'll sort out your life, he'll sort out your family, he'll sort out your problems. You need Jesus. What they're saying is you need an apostle, you need a prophet, you need a house leader, you need someone to come in and tell you. I tell you, you need God. Because the only answer to all our needs is Him. 
And we need to realize that all our life emanates from Him. And if He doesn't give life, we're lost. And our whole purpose of living is to glorify Him, to lift Him up, to feed from Him, to feast our hearts on Him, to set our affections on Him, to lift our souls to Him. That is what the church needs. It doesn't need men, it needs Him. It needs men who've got a vision to say, look, your true need is Him. If the church were doing what they claim to be doing, if they were, we'd have revival. I got a leaflet dropped through my letterbox, I read it. From one group and there they were, they, they were moving in the power of the Holy Ghost. I read the leaflet. I read it with some wonder and amazement. Because they'd missed the whole point. What they wanted to do was they wanted to show the life of Christ in their lives. They were going to put into practice their doctrine. Well, let me tell you, you can't put into practice your doctrine. Your doctrine will kill you, stone dead. Because the life of Christ isn't a doctrine. It's not a way of living. The life of Christ is a spirit. He's spirit. And when he comes to live in a soul, he comes by spirit. And he doesn't fit into the doctrinal mold. He's just Jesus. And he lives his life in us. And what we need is him. There's no way I can come and I can practice the life of Christ. I can't. Only he can live his life. And it's got to be him living in me. Not me trying to live my life in him, but he living his life in me. And I've just got to get out of the way and let him. John the Baptist had it right. He said, he must increase and I must decrease. Do you know, when you're sick, you don't need a man. You need him. When you're in desperate need in temptation, you don't need a man to help you. You need God. In every area of your life, you need him, don't you? Hmm? And let's always remember that the church's whole purpose is to exalt Him. And to be full of Him and to open the door under Him in every heart and in every life and say, your whole future depends on Him. It depends on Him and you must meet Him. Every moment of every day you must know Him and love Him and adore Him and magnify Him. Jesus must be all in all. As Paul wrote, Christ, all and in all. That's the secret of a church. So what? How does it run? He runs it. How does it function? Well, he's functioned for all eternity and he'll carry on. Everything must be Him. 
You say, but don't you need regulations? Yes, he regulates things if he's king of kings. Don't you need some form? Well, if you want it. Well, I don't believe we need any form. We just need him. And we just get out the way and say, Lord, do what you want to do. Would to God up and down the land there were men and women who'd say, look, friend, you don't need me. You don't need my ministry. You need him. All I want ministry to do is point to him and say, that's where it's at. When I pray for people, I tell them to open up their hearts, relax. It's no good getting up all tight and tense and thinking, oh, now I've got to believe. He just relax and let him do the work. And if he doesn't do the work, nothing will happen. So you can believe as much as you like. You can tense yourself up as much as you like. You can struggle as much as you like. But if he doesn't do it, that's it. All you do is flex your muscles. And if you tense up long enough, you'll probably feel stiff afterwards. You know, you won't, you won't get anything. I remember going to one church over in Atlanta, and there was this woman, and I remember watching her. I was on the platform at the time, and I, I watched this woman. And Bob was standing next to me, Bob Miller, and we were standing there watching. And sure enough, Bob says to me, he said, she's going to go in a minute. I said, yeah, I know. And so we waited, and about a minute later, bang, over she went. And you know, that woman got into terrible mental problems and terrible afflictions. The devil was beginning to get hold of her, and the next meeting she was like a serpent. I watched her face, and she was staring. And when someone moved around the platform, she'd move so her eyes could follow it. And we watched again and began just to rebuke it from the platform. Down she went. Quietly, down she went. And we got hold of her afterwards and began to tell her, don't you realize you open yourself up to something? You see, we're not meant to do that to push ourselves. We're to open our hearts to the Savior. And we're to say, Lord, you do the work. Our faith must be in him. Not in what I believe, not in what I do, not in how I get myself worked up. I don't need to work myself up. That's why I think God often lays people down on the floor. He just wants to show you that when you're unconscious, it wasn't you that did it. When you're completely zapped out, how can you believe? You get up and you find God's done something, you think, whoa, he really did something. Sure he did. But you know the only way he could work on you was to give you an anesthetic? So you'd finally stop struggling and down he'd put you and then he'd do his work and, and then you'd come round and start interfering again. I think that's why in the early Pentecostal days they used to be out for three and four hours at a time. Sometimes five hours. Because the Lord just wanted to spend the time working on them and he didn't want them to come round too quick. I don't see anything wrong in that. We have to learn that he's the one who does it all. Amen? And we need him. And the whole church's thrust must be, Lord, 
come. Jesus does it all. And we must never leave the simplicity of being cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ, being saved by his wonderful power, being quickened by the wonderful Holy Spirit he sent, being made alive inside and outside and vibrant with joy because Jesus has come and set us free. And it's all in him. And daily I need to come to him and find my life in him. Till we can all say, Christ is all and in all. And that's the church. It's the only church I want to belong to. I don't want to belong to a church that's got four elders or forty elders. I want to belong to a church that has the true elder, Jesus. I don't want to belong to a church with great apostles. I want to belong to the church with the apostle and the high priest. I want to live for him. I don't believe in my heart, let me share something with you, I don't believe ever that Peter or James or John or any of them went about saying, I'm an apostle. I believe they went about lifting up Jesus. When I read on the day of Pentecost, Peter stood up, he testified of Christ. He said, it's he that you with wicked hands took and crucified. And with many other words, it says, he testified of God. In other words, he was speaking about God. He wasn't speaking about what they should do. He was speaking of God. They said, what can we do? And he said, repent, believe, be baptized, and you'll receive the Holy Ghost. And then what do you do? You glorify him. You give all to him. And you see that our only purpose is to bring others to him and to glorify him you say well can the church work like that well it's the only way it can work when Christ is all in all I want to come to him don't you hmm? it's lovely if you look um, on in I'll just read you a little verse. I noted it out of one of the books. Should all the forms that men devise assault my faith with treacherous art, I'd call them vanity and lies and bind the gospel to my heart. I, I frankly don't care about all the other things that people are putting on as trappings. You know the one vision they never had? Christ. <laughs> That's the one they missed out totally. It's the one I find in the Bible all the time, but it's the one they left out. Christ being all in all, they didn't think of. What they thought of was apostles and setting the church in order and getting it right, so then, you know, you get revival. Put this in order, put that in order, get your family sorted out, get your kids sorted out, get this done, get that done. And people would run around chasing their tails. But I used to find when I talked with people the hunger and thirst for the reality of God. They left Jesus out. And God's wanting a people to stand up and say, Hey, 
thanks for all your ideas but as for me I want to glorify him I need him I find my heart isn't satisfied until he comes my soul is not filled until he comes then they have the baptism of the spirit the charismatics went you know you must speak in tongues now I believe everyone should be baptized in the spirit must be baptized in the spirit and all should speak with tongues I really believe that with all my heart I always have but I tell you what if you do that without the real presence of his spirit and without him being manifest you've got problems I want him and when the Holy Ghost came what I found he did he began to take the things of Christ and reveal them to me he never took the things of the church and revealed them to me I never ever have when I've read the scriptures found out myself I've never found out how to run a church and I find out the more I read of the Bible the more I seek God's face the more I study the scripture the less I find out how to live down here I find that the scripture tells me a lot about him it tells me a lot about what he did it tells me how he's worked with men it tells me how he deals in people's lives but what it does never tell me is how to set up governments and how to run things and how to sort things out I've never found in the scriptures any description of how to counsel someone of you never tells you well this is the way you do it I've often wondered if someone comes to me with a dispute whether I'll be as smart as Solomon and get the sword and say now I'll chop it in two uh, I don't think I'd have that wisdom someone bought a baby and both claim the baby Solomon had wisdom, the spirit of wisdom. But what I find is this, that my Bible just speaks of him. And do you know, one of the important things I always look at in a letter, when someone sends me a letter, is how the letter ends. It's important to know how it finishes up, because that usually tells people the hub of what you want to say. Usually you end up if you write a letter sensibly with a note kind of expressing your desire of what you want the response you want and Jesus did exactly the same you'll find in Revelation he left a little note at the end for everyone bless his wonderful name he left a little note Revelation chapter 22 Revelation chapter 22 I Jesus verse 16 I Jesus have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches now what things that you must be governed by apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers no no I am the root and offspring of David 
the bright and morning star. And the Spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him that heareth say, Come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. Jesus was saying to people, Come. Come to that river of life. Come to the water of life. Jesus said, I'll give you water to drink of. You'll never thirst again. And he's calling people to come. Not to a man, not to a church, but to him. Because he gave this message to the churches. He said, look, um, testify unto these things in the churches, he says. I've sent mine angel to tell you. This is what I'm telling you. Come. It's not come to the church, it's come to me. It's not come to a man, it's come to me. I, Jesus, the Spirit and the Bride say, Come and let him that heareth come, and let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will. Do you know the only person who will ever really come to Christ is someone with a real problem or a real thirst? I find there's too many people who've got things going too well for them in their lives that they'll never come. It's only when we're in real need that we came, wasn't it? It's when we had a thirst we came, didn't we? A person comes to drink only when he's despairing and thirsty. Uh, you don't drink when you've no thirst. And you don't come when you've no need. It's the people that are messed up, fouled up, twisted, distorted and thirsty and say, is there reality anywhere? They come. And they'll come to Jesus. But the people that think they've got it all going for them, the people who are content with what they've got, you try and get them to drink. You can't. There's no way you can get them to drink. I was talking to a pastor recently who said that you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. But of course that's not true, he said. All you've got to do is feed the horse with salt. Let me tell you something. If you've ever worked in a stable as I used to when I was a youngster, I used to get free rides by working in the stable. Go muck them out and could have a free ride when I was 11 and 12. It's one way to learn how to ride a horse. And I used to go there. One thing you can't do is get a horse to take salt. If a horse doesn't want to take salt, no way you'll get a horse to take salt. It's smarter than you. Now a cow you can put a salt lick to, but you try getting a horse. I didn't bother to tell him, I mean, what's the point? It was great fun, you learn a lot about a horse, especially not to get down the rear end. They don't half kick. Secret with a horse is, you know, you never want to get too far from the back legs, you always keep right up close. And when they kick, they don't hurt you. They just push you back. Whereas if you get a long way away and they kick, their legs have a good way to travel and then you feel it. And when you're mucking out, you learn that. You learn a lot of things. I remember once when I was on, I think I started when I was nine and there was this whacking great horse. It was 16 hands. If you know anything about it, that's big. 
15 hands takes a pony into a horse, 16 hands. Well, I was only... And they asked me to go and saddle this thing. And I went in there. Went in there. And I tell you, this horse, I got the bridle. I wanted to put the bridle on. No bridle on it. So I went and put it on. And the horse just lifted its head up. And that was it. I could reach its nose. But I couldn't reach up to get the bridle on it. And this horse, it played with me for about five minutes. And I thought, well, I know what I'll do. I'll get over and I'll get the horse in one corner. I'll stand on this bale. Sure enough, I got the horse over there. As soon as I got on the bale, he just moved back a bit and he stood there grinning at me. Sure. As soon as I got down near it, up went his head and he stood there looking down. Blowing his nose at me. I didn't like it. I quit after a time. I thought, dumb horse. Maybe he was smarter than me. Had to get someone who was taller. Get in there. But you learn a lot when you deal with animals. A lot. And one thing I know is, no animal's going to drink if an animal doesn't want to drink. You do what you like, you aren't going to get them to drink. And they're smart enough, they're not going to go and chew salt just so they can get thirsty for you. They're smart. Animals are smart. Horses are smart. Do you know they can smell fear? If you're frightened of them, they know. They smell it. Do you realize when you're afraid, you exude odors? They'll smell it. They'll smell fear on you. Strange thing, human beings. We don't realize that fear has a smell to it. Strange. Animals know it. They sense it. And I've always found with animals, you, you have to really deal with them firmly. You've got to be firm and you've got to be in command and you've got to be fearless. You can't be afraid of them. But when you've got a horse that's 16 hands and you can't reach it, you quit anyway. It's smarter too. You know, animals, they, they don't, they're not out to destroy. I mean, it's in their nature, some of them too, but most animals, that they, their natures are just to live, to eat. There's some animals that will just kill for the sake of it. Like foxes will go into a chicken coop, they'll just kill anything inside, just for the sake of it, not to eat it. Most animals aren't like that. That's why Christ, when he spoke, spoke of that fox Herod, he used animal names for people. It's interesting just to get to know, you know people's natures are very much like animal natures. Very similar. Seems that people inherit the characteristics of certain animals. An awful thing. I loved animals. I, I used to enjoy getting out and riding and enjoying the fresh air and fishing and shooting and all the things that you do when you're a youngster. It's good fun. It's healthy. I suppose there was more of Esau than Jacob in me. I couldn't stay at home and do the cooking. I wanted to be out there. But you know the thing that's most important to understand is that you'll never get anyone to come and drink if there's not a real thirst in their soul. 
You try and get someone to church when there's no need in their life. You get them to come to Christ when they don't feel an emptiness and a void and an ache inside. You can't. And God puts that first there. And God puts the need in the life just to draw that individual. If you've got a thirst, it's because God put it there. And that's the only time you can ever really drink. A terrible thing not to have a thirst or a need. Everything. The church is only for the needy ones, for the thirsty ones, for those who can say in truth, I need God, I can't live my life my own way, I just mess it up. I can't survive on my own. I, I'm, I'm a spineless individual really. I, I know I've got a spine and backbone and that. But really I'm spineless because I can't really sort my life out. I need God. Someone once came to me and they said, I remember it so distinctly, they said, you know Mike, the trouble with you is your Christianity is a way of opting out. You better believe it. That's just what it is. I opt out of trying to control my life and say, God, I only make a mess of it. You take control. I opt out of the responsibility of trying to live that life and I say, God, I can't. But I know you can. And I come to God in total poverty and I say, Lord, I'm lonely, I'm messed up, I'm twisted, I'm in need. Just have mercy on me. I need you. I find my soul gets empty and hungry and thirsty and it seems so tired. It's lovely to be able to go into a room on my own and open my heart to God and just say, Oh Lord, come. And to find that river of life's flowing freely still. I can drink. And the life just bathes my soul and I can find the refreshing fullness of it all. Come up feeling, Lord, you're real. But do you know the strange thing for me? I can walk out of that room and I find that thirst is back pretty quick. I don't find I can live without being thirsty all the time. As somehow God's got my system well worked out I just find a thirst I find a loneliness if I haven't met with God and he hasn't spoken to me for a few hours and I haven't communed with him I find there comes an emptiness and a darkness on my soul and I have to just turn around and say oh God you know need you that's what I find I'm afraid it's just inside me and that's what it's all about. I thirst for thee, O Lamb of God. There's a thirst and a hunger in my soul. Is there one in your soul for him? Let me tell you, he's what you need. Nothing else but he will satisfy. And Jesus says, whomsoever will may come and drink freely of the water of life. It's available. Do you know what the church is? Why, it's a drinking trough. It's a place where we can drink of the rivers of life. 
we can come in all our needs with all our thirst and we can come and fill our souls with life his life flowing from him I need him over and over and over I find I, I can't live without him if I live a moment without him if I do things without him I suddenly find that my soul feels it's lost its way and I think Lord I want to get back there to you I find if he hasn't spoken to me for a day I begin to get desperate my soul feels so empty I want that word of life speaking to my soul I want that water of life bathing my inner being refreshing every part of me he's so faithful so true he writes right at the end of his love letter to the church whomsoever will may come and drink of the water of life freely he wants you to know he sent the angel to tell you he said I'm sending the angel to tell you this I'm I'm the seed of David you don't need any other seed you don't need the apostolic line the prophetic line you need him that's all and having him you'll find he'll teach you he'll lead you he'll sort your life out the church is only to ever bring you to a more conscious need a more conscious need of him when he does it it gets done man can build but I want only the foundation of Christ I want only to lay that foundation in men and women's lives that he might build upon it pointing them to him and saying come to him he that's a thirst the spirit says tonight come God's spirit still calls the way is open for you it's all in Christ there's salvation in none other there's help from none other but from him I know he's the real one the true one I know he's the one who's able he's the one who's all glorious he's the one who can do it all will you come to him will you open your heart to him Will you open your soul to him? Will you open your being to him? He'd say come. Come. And the spirit and the bride say come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will let him come. And take of the water of life freely.
You can freely take of that water of life. You can freely take if you'll come. Is there a thirst in your soul? Is there a need in your soul? Is there a longing in your soul? Let me tell you, there's only one way to have that need met. Christ is the answer to your need. The Spirit and the Bride say come. Come. Let him that is a thirst take of the water of life freely. That river flows tonight. Flows from his wounded side. Flows out for you and for me. The blood still avails to cleanse, to wash, white as snow. Have you ever realized the great need of your life? is Jesus you need him oh how you need him have you realized that every moment of every day your need has been him Lord Jesus I know of no other helper I know of none that can help me save thee. Thou art the creator of all. Thou dost all things well. I need you. I need to meet with you every moment of every day. I need that life. Christ is all in all to me. He's everything I need. The Spirit and the Bride should be speaking even as the angel bid them speak, saying, come to Him. You don't need anyone else. You need Him. You don't need a doctrine. You don't need understanding. You don't need faith. You need Him. Drink of that river of life and it'll change you. It'll change all that you are. I need him. Oh God. That's all I want to point people to. To you. I need thee. Every hour. I need thee. Lord, I'm so conscious of my need of Thee. So conscious of my great, great need of Thee. I'd come to Thee. Even as the angels sent forth to bid us to come. The Spirit and the Bride should all be saying, Come, come to Him. Point the way to Him. Let every heart see 
It's in Him. And you'll have to keep going to Him. Keep seeking Him. Keep living in His life. Keep drawing from that river of life. It's the source of all. He's the source of everything. You won't be able to survive without Him. Every moment of every day. I need Thee. Oh, I need Thee. Every hour I need Thee. Oh, God. I've heard so many men offer solutions. Healings of memories. Deliverance from devils. Submission teachings. Doctrines of churches. Doctrines for this. Doctrines for that. And they've left the one who's the only one who can meet a knee. His name is Jesus. The Christ of God. I need thee. I've tried everywhere else. Like the woman who spent all her substance on physicians. Some have spent all their time with so-called spiritual physicians. They've done them not a bit of good. They needed to come to him. He's the only one. I need thee. I need thee. Is that the cry of your heart tonight? I want to hear the Spirit's call, O King, within my heart. I need thee. I need thee. Every hour, I need thee. Oh, Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, you're all I need. You're all I need. I want to come to thee. Lord, let this church be a church that points to thee. The points to thee as the answer. The points to thee as the source. The points to thee as the only one to help. I need thee. Thee. I know my need is of thee. Come, O oh precious Saviour. I need thee. Every hour. I need thee. That river of life is open. The way is open. The spirit and the bride say come. The true spirit. The true bride say come. The true church exalts people to come to the water of life freely and drink. Not so they might possess them, but so they might go out with that life of God in their being to live and glorify Him. I need Thee. I come to Thee. Do you need to come tonight? The way's open. Have you ever come? And really told him how much you need him. 
Have you ever realized your deep, deep need? Your lifelong need is your need of Him. He's the source of all. I want you, Lord. I want you, Lord. I want a drink of you. The way's open. Jesus said, I've sent mine angel to the churches. This is the message. Whomsoever will, let him come and take of the water of life freely. Just let him take. Churches, don't you ever try and charge for it. Don't you ever try and bind a man's soul for it. It's free. They can come. He is the Lord. The ministry is His, not ours. His. Do you need to come tonight? I need thee. Oh, I need thee. I'll give you an invitation. You come. If you need that water of life. If you need a drink. The spirit and the bride say come. You can drink freely. I need thee. I need thee. I need thee. Doesn't matter what anyone else does. Where are you in it? Keep going down the front. Fill up the front. I need thee. Just tell him. Tell him. It's where it's all at, really. I don't know that there's anyone that can stay on their seat and say, I don't need him. The spirit and the bride say, come. The church of God says, come. You come. I need thee. Oh, I need thee. Lord, I know of no other source of help or life. I need Thee. Oh, I need Thee. Every hour, I need Thee. Lord, what a revelation when a heart begins to see. You're the Creator. You're the Deliverer. You're the helper. You're the only one who can help. I need thee. I need thee. I can depend on no other. There's no other who can help me. I need thee. There's no other who's able. 
I need you. I need you. Oh, come. Oh, come, oh, precious Savior. I want to drink of that water of life. The Spirit and the bride say, I can come and drink freely. I want to come. I want to drink freely of that river of life this night. I want to open up my heart to Thee. I need Thee. I need Thee. You open up your heart. Speak to Him where you are. Tell Him you want to come. Tell Him your needs. He's the one you have to do business with. Not a man, but with the living God. He'll meet you. He bids you come. Pour out your heart to Him. He'll meet you. those words from your lips. I need thee. Don't say long prayers, just open your heart, not your mouth. You don't have to lead anyone else. Let your heart flow to him. Speak from the depths of your soul to the King of glory. I need thee. I need thee, I need thee, I come to thee, you're the source of all hell. to break the bands that bind your heart and your soul. I need thee, oh I need thee. Oh for a church that expresses that cry. 
The angels come to speak that cry into the heart. I need thee every hour. There's not a moment goes by when I don't need thee. There's not a moment I can live without thee. I need thee. How I need thee. I come to thee. Oh Jesus, help me. I need thee. Oh, I need thee. I need thee. Oh Jesus. Lord Jesus, I need thee. Reach out to every heart, oh King. Let your spirit move in every heart. Oh Lord, come, come, stir every soul this night. Let every heart cry, I need thee, oh I need thee. I need thee. I need thee. Speak to him, tell him, don't worry about anyone else, tell him, I need thee. Who else could help me? None. Who else understands? None. I need you, I need your love, I need your grace, I need you, I need you. I need you, oh Jesus, Jesus, I need you, Lord Jesus, I need you, I need your love, I need your help, oh Jesus, Spirit of the living God, let me drink of that river of life this night. Let me feast on thee, O thou living fowl. I want you. I want you. Reach within my soul. Let your soul be lifted up to him. Pour out your soul to him. Pour out your heart to him. I need thee.
every heart remembered that to set their affections on things about not on things on the earth ever sought after him what a change round they'd be every moment of every day I need thee oh may God write it in our hearts even as Jesus when he was finishing the book said write this I Jesus send my angels to the churches tell them this the spirit and the bride say come come he that is a thirst let him come and take of the water of life freely He's always there, always ready to meet you. You can always drink from him. I need you. Every hour, every moment of every day, I am aware of my need of thee. He'll meet that need. May God ride it in your heart. And write it in your soul. God bless you. Go with God. God willing, we'll gather tomorrow at 10.